Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fatter, Scott Eklund. It is past midnight and Washington defeats Oregon State 24-21 to and just a game that just always felt a little bit off with a bye week, with a Friday night game, with the weather being predicted. Nobody knew what was going on and it was fine at times and then the wind would kick up. It was just a strange feeling down on the field. Uh, announced attendance 62,400 and some change and then uh, weather was 56 and kind of cloudy but the weather wasn't it wasn't cold down on the sidelines at all. It wasn't cold no. but the wind was coming up and going strong but just kind of a weird weird feeling. In this game, it didn't feel like a normal game, did it? No, it didn't. It, it felt weird. It felt the offense felt off. the The defense, um, actually, I thought they played one of their best defensive games of the season. I know people are probably um, driving off the road as they're listening to this right now, and um, you know, I I just I just thought that. Um, Overall, it was it was a weird game. There was what probably thirty five thousand in the stands. Maybe felt like it. The announced attendance was 62. over sixty. Yeah, but but yeah, it 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 was just it was a weird game overall. But and and for Washington to even be in it after watching them just go right down the field on their first drive, for Washington to be in it at the end and have a chance to win it, I, I thought that was pretty amazing. Well, well, the other thing that was weird is traffic was just an absolute disaster getting here. I-5 got closed down about 3 o'clock. I don't know what that was. Protest. Yeah, I, it took me an hour and 15 minutes once I hit 520 to get over the bridge. And then in addition, they sent us out an email last night saying that our normal parking places wouldn't be honored. And we had to park basically, I think, in Northgate. <laughs> so uh, it was just kind of a weird feeling, and we finally got here, and, you know, uh, Chris took the light rail here, and the last train's already left, so we're going to make him walk back. What do you think, Scott? Yeah. But um, just when we talk about the first half, the guy that, to me, from what I was seeing down on the field, Tuli Latula Gasanoa had a monster game. He did, at least early on. He was plugging up running lanes. He was making things hard on them, but they were still gashing Washington in that first half. I mean, Tooley was doing everything he could, but MJ Alley was even getting pushed around. The linebackers um, were, getting, were getting out of their lanes and things like that. It, it just feels weird because watching that game, it felt like Oregon State should have been up by like about 10, to, you know, 10, 17, 14 points, something like that. And then you look up and Washington's only a, uh, only a, um, you know, a touchdown down and, and they're able to tie it up. All three times, every time Oregon State scored the touchdown, Washington had an answer for them. And I thought that was very important. Well, the first drive, they, I mean, Oregon State just gashed Washington. Mm -hmm. And then when they got the ball back, they were gashing them again, and Washington got a stop on fourth down. Yeah, that was key. Huge. It was huge. Yeah. But um, Oregon State just to be able to, they seemed to impose uh, those first two drives that they had. Mm -hmm. If they hadn't stopped Oregon State on that second drive, do we got a completely different game? I think so. I think so. I think the fourth down stop was huge. Was that the one where they uh, stopped Coletto on the fourth down and two, or fourth down and one? I can't remember. Send him backwards. I just know that they yeah. had the two two fourth down stops in the first um, half. Yeah, 90, that yeah absolutely. It, it was critical. that one because the other one was later in this first half, and that was uh, one where they tried to throw it. This is probably a game where I've the most demonstrative I've ever seen Kalen DeBoer. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so, on Oregon State's uh, first touchdown, uh, what they have, two, three, four guys in motion before the ball was snapped? Oh, I didn't. 
Well, I, I don't know. We, there was a there was a, a holding called on Jeremiah Martin, or that well, where he Chris was on actually the flat. Had to, Chris actually told me to quiet down. Yeah, because I was he, like, "What the? What?" Yeah, he had to show some restraint. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah press box press box decorum and all that. It it just fell off, and it just you know what I mean. We'd heard I I'd been kind of perusing some of the boards before the game and. You know, when people found out that it was Mothershed who was who was roughing the game and roughing this crew and all that, everyone's like, "Yeah, this is going to be an absolute show." I mean, this is going to be Oregon State versus Washington, featuring Mike Mothershed and his and his mechanics. Well, and it's like, and it, and it really showed too. They they went out of their way to really kind of impact the game, and and usually when that happens, guys, that's negative. I normally don't criticize officials. They were struggling tonight. Well, they missed some blatant calls. They called. They had some weird calls. There was a guy, Oregon State defensive back, slashing his throat right in front of the ref that didn't get called. Several blatant, blatant holds that weren't called. Oregon State's first touchdown. They had two guys in motion. It wasn't called. The um, Jeremiah Farms were uh, Jeremiah Farms. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Jeremiah Martin. <laughs> now it's back twelve after dark. Yeah. Holy moly. Jeremiah Martin. Uh, you know he, he. I mean, it was such an obvious hold. I don't know how they could miss it. Yeah. So. But just, and then they. But then they got one right. I mean the the one that extended that their last touchdown drive. Uh, Oregon State when. Jeremiah Martin got the face mask. I mean, he really it, had to work hard yeah, for that. that. He had to wrap his arm around, and, and it was like, yeah. what in the world I mean, are, are look, you doing? Look, the officials weren't great, but Washington, you know, and DeBoer will say this probably on Monday, we cannot put ourselves in that position. Yeah. Yeah. To, I mean, the, the push by Jalen McMillan that got a 15-yard on Sportsmanlike, yes. I mean, you're, you're watching it and you're just like, why, first of all, that shouldn't have been called. But second of all, why are you doing that? It, yeah. there's why are you no putting point. yourself in a position? I mean, the, the, it was chippy between the receivers and Oregon's defensive backs all night long. Yeah, speaking spilled of, over after the game. And speaking of Jalen McMillan, um, he went out, um, mm-hmm. and he was holding his ribs pretty gingerly. Mm-hmm. He came back out after the power outage, but I don't think he, he ended up. He, he did come back in, though. He, he yeah. did come back he in. He did come back in and play, yes. Okay. Tough, I, he's a tough, tough dude. Very tough dude. I thought he was holding his ribs. Elise thought he might have gone in for a concussion protocol. Okay. Possibly. Um, I don't know. I, I just know that the only reason I feel that bringing up the referees in this particular instance was that they screwed over both teams for a, a couple different ways. And so it's just when it gets to the point where you hear the lip service in the offseason – you know, they're hiring guys, they're going through their due diligence, they promise that it's going to be better, and it's it's not. It just is not better. They, these referees are really, really poor. And it's just unfortunate because they don't have to make half the calls they're making. And frankly, I think the fact that they're not calling a lot of the holding calls, like on the offensive lineman, for instance, I think that's a good thing. I think they should let them play in a lot of ways. But the, but the afters and stuff... Let's put it this way: all of those personal fouls and unsportsmanlike and stuff that didn't stop the Oregon receiver, the Washington receivers, and the Oregon State DBs from having from having it on the Oregon State sideline after the game was over. Mm-hmm. It spilled over. So their method of containment by by you know penalizing the, these guys and what have you didn't it had zero effectiveness. Yeah. Didn't work at all. Yeah, just taking a look real quick on the um, penalties. Let me just find it here real Both teams quick. had nine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, 
penalty yardage. Why am I? Oh, uh, nine penalties for 81 yards for Washington. Uh, excuse me, for Oregon State, nine for 97 for Washington. And at the half, they both had four. But it just seemed like those four first-half penalties for Washington had a hell of an impact where they were on third downs. Two of them, I believe, were on third downs. It gave Oregon State first downs. And I think two of the four on Oregon State were like false starts. But yeah. the two, uh, there was a couple of real key penalties in that first half that just really killed Washington. Not, not as key as the ones in the second half, but <laughs> they were very – They were very. I mean, to me – as 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 bad as some of the penalties were in the first half, guys, it's the pick six that kills you. Yep. It's the, when you're playing a game that's this tight, and of course we're looking at a game that was that was decided by three points. Again, kudos to Vegas. Vegas always knows. I don't know how they know, but they know, and they got this one spot on. I think everyone that we all predicted it was going to be inside of a touchdown or less. I don't know. Maybe some other people didn't. I, I had it at thirty. I had it at a four point game, but. Bottom line is, when you you just can't have those sudden change plays. You cannot have pick sixes. You can't have fumbles, returns for touchdowns. In a game like this, for Washington, yes, it's at home, but the crowd. I don't know how much the crowd really impacted Oregon State. It didn't. Maybe maybe in that drive in the second half where they kept where they started going backwards, mm-hmm. had some false starts and some things like that. Maybe you can attribute some of that to to the crowd. But bottom line, guys. You don't you don't lose the turnover battle in games like this and expect to win, and for these guys not only to do that but to come back and win, man, gr- gritty doesn't even begin to talk about um, just the way these guys were able to overcome their own mistakes, believe in what they were doing, and find a way to win. Scott, tell me what you saw in the pick six. I was at the opposite end of the field and uh, I I didn't see it. Pennings just didn't see the middle linebacker threw yeah. it right to him. Yeah. Caught it. And basically had a clear path to the end zone. I mean, there's really nothing else to say. Penix, I think Penix in film review will say, I just didn't see the guy. He threw a couple of other passes that should have been intercepted as well. Well, the one that should have been picked off toward the end of the first half was one where he and Jalen Polk weren't on the same page it didn't look like. Right. It looked like, because Polk was running a down and Penix threw it outside like he was going to stop and go outside yeah and the only way I'm going to be able to figure out if this opinion is correct is by going and watching the tape after but it felt to me outside of those arrow routes or those what I think Hugh Millen calls them Texas routes yeah where it's the tight end or sometimes it's a running back mm-hmm. that will come in and angle and Penix will find them um I think you know Devin Cope had a really nice one uh, was it Westover that had one as well, or maybe one of the running backs? But either way, outside of those, two, I know that. Yeah, yeah, outside of those plays, kind of in the middle, it felt like to me as soon as Penix threw that pick six, they didn't look middle at all anymore. And looking at Oregon State, Oregon State looked like they were vacating the middle. Like if if Penix had really wanted to run, or if Grubb had called like maybe a design draw or something. It, it, under the right circumstances, I think he could have gone for 15, 20 yards because everything was going out to the edges. With the two stops that Washington had with Oregon State in the first half. You're talking the fourth downs. Yeah, two fourth okay. down stops that they had. Um, and that was deep into Washington territory. If wind hadn't been a factor, you guys were up here. I mean, the wind was crazy down yeah. there at times. Yeah. Would they have kicked field goals? Probably if the wind hadn't been going bad. Yeah, I don't, and I don't, we haven't gotten a chance to hear anything that Jonathan Smith said post game, I guarantee you the Oregon State guys will be asking, you know, under normal circumstances, if there had been no wind, mm-hmm. 
Would you be kicking those? I would expect that he would. People on, he, yeah, go ahead. Because he's not, because he's not the kind. DeBoer said after the game how they were in the mode of like we're we're gonna go for touchdowns or like go for broke. Like we weren't gonna settle unless they were like maybe inside the twenty essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, Jonathan Smith historically has been a guy that's he's used a pretty kicker. conservative guy. Yeah, he, he he would. I would think he'd normally go for field goals in those circumstances, but definitely not tonight. Well, let's just hold on. Let's just put it this way. On that first one, the the first fourth down stop, I understood why they went for it. Washington hadn't been stopping them on the ground. Yeah. They had already stopped them on third and one. Now it's fourth and one. And Jack Coletto. Yeah, you got the fourth down the Terminator. Com- I made the comment to you. I've seen Oregon State play a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah. I do not remember Jack Coletto not making a first down or a touchdown. Yeah, once they once they figured out that he was that special and he was almost a, an automatic first down in those situations, yeah, I can't so, remember a time where he got stopped. So, Kim, the, to answer your question, the second one I questioned, right? they probably would have kicked a field goal if the weather hadn't been what it was. But the first one, I think he still goes for it. I'm down on the field, and... Um, it was it was not cold at all. Mm-hmm. It wasn't cold. Uh, it didn't rain. We got spit on a little bit towards the end of the game, but it wasn't rain. But the wind, I mean, it just seemed like it would calm down, and then when it would come back, it would just come back with a vengeance, and there was no rhyme or reason to it. And um, you know, Michael Penix claims it didn't impact him throwing the ball at all, but I think it impacted Jaden Green a little bit. I think it impacted Jack McAllister quite a bit. But the yeah. weather down there, I mean, it was, it seemed to be a lot worse towards the lake. Well, Scott noticed it as soon as the as soon as McAllister dropped those two, um, and that's not. I don't think that's the fault of Jaden Green. No, that's on Jack McAllister. And, and Scott noticed this. It was a good spot too. He noticed that when they scored their first touchdown, Washington, the guy that came in for the PAT, the hole. No, no, I didn't. Kim actually. Yeah. Oh, did? Kim it was Dylan Morris. I, yeah. thought you, I thought you saw well, it. I said it because he, he didn't come okay. in. Yeah. It was so much. They lined up at the swinging gate for the extra point, and it was Dylan Morris right. there. And Dylan Morris came out to hold. But our, our thought was if, if McAllister's and that's normally, not holding, And that's normally Jack McAllister. Right, but if he's not holding on to the ball, this it felt to me like what they did with Wayne Talapapa at Cal. If, if you're dropping passes and it's maybe not your night, they're not going to hesitate to have a short leash on guys and move to the next guy. Is that him down there doing Bear Carls? <laughs> but, 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 but think about this, though. On the most important play of the entire night, the field goal to win the yeah, game... It was McAllister. McAllister was holding it. Yeah, so well, that, kind of threw, yeah, that, kind yeah. of, that kind of blew a hole right through our theory. So... I don't want to jump too far ahead, so I'll just say this, and then we'll jump back. But on that last drive, and Washington has it three, and it's third down, and you're going, we don't want Jack McAllister coming and kicking the ball. Well, a lot of people were like, because we were like, Jack McAllister, he's back to punt, and they're like, oh, well, we thought the, the whole strategy was going to be just don't punt Yeah. in the second half. Just don't worry about punting. Just don't take plenty out of the equation. Yeah, just moving on to the second half, I thought they made some fantastic adjustments uh, in the second half on the defense. Um, Oregon State had 162 total yards at half. They finished the game with 262. Am I right on that? They only had 100 yards in the second half? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. 101, and 20-some-odd of it was that final, the final play where they were throwing the ball all over the place. And maybe it's unfair for me to say this, 
But I really do feel like the wind affected Bengal Branson a lot more than oh, Michael yeah. Penix. Yeah. In, in the in the balance. Obviously there were moments. But I think Branson, what did he throw for like 60, 70 yards? I mean yeah, he didn't it was nothing. Yeah, he threw for eighty seven yards. That'll help Washington's uh and he was twelve for and he, but he was twelve for he was twelve for nineteen, so it wasn't like he was completely wild with his throws. Um, they just knew anytime they tried to go over the top and they had beaten maybe Perriman or one of those yeah. guys. I, I kept telling you yeah. during the game, Scott, I was like, I think Washington needs to make sure they're playing super tight because let's say they do run a double move or whatever. What are the odds with this wind? That someone's going to be able yeah. to complete a bomb like 40, 50 and yards down the field. And he had that one late in the third quarter. Yeah, but it, no, still wasn't that, it still wasn't that close. Early in the fourth quarter. And was it I, It was number, I think it was, uh, uh, what's his face? Treshawn Harrison, but it okay. might have been number two, whoever number two was for the Molden or something like whatever his name is. Gold? Go, no, Gold. Silas Bolden maybe? Gold, Bolden, yeah, yeah, Silas Bolden. Um, he beat Perriman down the sidelines. I mean, he was a good two or three steps behind him. And Goldbranson throws it, and it goes about twenty yards inside. Yeah, no, and, I mean, but the he, yeah. he the way he threw it, it was at, the the wind was going to eat it mm. up. It wasn't like a Penix dart, beautiful dart, deep ball, perfect spin. This thing was Billy Kilmer special, yeah. like floating everywhere. Did Michael Penix go deep once this game? Oh, he tried once or twice. But even so, they weren't yeah. really bombs. No. They were like maybe 20-yard plays. Yeah, he didn't – I don't think he – well, Was long was a go-route all night? His long was 27 yards. Yeah, but no, even on an incompletion. There might have been go-routes, but he probably didn't feel comfortable throwing them. Yeah. So. It just, you know, I'm trying when, to think, was the long – was that the long 127? Was that the middle screen to Odunze? Yes. Deep in territory? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's early in the second half. To me – we, we could talk about the play of the game a little bit later. That, because got, that sparked them. But to me, that was – when I looked at it, guys, and, and I don't know, maybe maybe the fans will, will say I don't agree with you or not, but I, to me, it just felt like the whole first half, Washington's offense – first of all, this is the first game where they didn't score at least a field goal on the very first possession of the game. So that was new. Uh-huh. It just felt tentative. It, it, I wouldn't say cautious. It just unsure. And I don't know if it was the wind – Playing tricks with them, but it just felt like the offense was not clicking. Well, let's and I'm not talking about just Penix. I'm talking about the whole thing. Let's give some credit to Oregon State because that's probably the best defensive secondary Washington's faced all year. Well, and I will give them credit in this sense that whatever game plan they had coming in worked pretty well. But in the second half, with the adjustments both team made, both teams made, I really thought that Washington was able to find something on the ground in the second half, and that really helped them when they needed to maybe not just take a little bit of the load off of Penix, but they needed to show just a semblance of some balance to be able to throw some, some passes and get some completions. You know, with Washington unable to score on their last possession in the first quarter, but they got the ball back in their first possession in the second half. So, you know, a chance to start some momentum, but um, they weren't able to do anything on that first possession, and they're down seven, and they're giving the ball back to Oregon yep. State, who pretty much carved them up and shoot, you know, yeah. in the first half. When they talk and about I think the middle was a third. Lot of, I think there was a lot of nervous people when Oregon State got that ball. Yeah, they, and there was. And guess what? It was a three and out. Yeah, but they when they, that's what out. I was going to say. When they when they talk about that middle eight, they talk about the last four minutes of the first half, first four minutes of the second mm-hmm. half, Washington lost that too. And they still were able to find a way to come back and win. And it was tough because if Washington, Washington looked like they had a chance to maybe get at least three points on that final drive of the first half. And that just imploded at the end. They just couldn't do anything with it. And then to come out 
and have all those adjustments, all that momentum, all that belief, everything that they talked about coming out, and they throw a three and out on them, it's like, wow. I mean, this at that point, if you're an Oregon State fan, you're loving it. You're like, yeah, they don't, they don't think they can win. They don't think they can win. Washington was able to score. Oh, boy, what did defensive back lose Jack Westover? What happened there? Yeah, that was just a breakdown. It was just a complete breakdown. They, they, uh, Penix sucked him up on a on a, on the play, and Jack Westover. It was I don't want to call it a scramble drill, but Westover just kept going back into the end zone, and the guy didn't go with him. Yeah, I, I think it was kind of a scramble drill because yeah. I think Michael, I I think that he had to scramble out because yeah. First read coverage, second read cover, and he looks over. There was nobody within 20 yards of Jack Westover sitting in the end zone. And I'll tell you, it was an amazing way that they were able to overcome that because that was the drive where Troy Faltano got called for – they called it unnecessary unnecessary roughness. I don't don't know. They never actually explained what it was. But the thing was is that he was in position to block, and the guy turned – literally right as he's blocking him. I don't know. I I literally don't know as a player how you – I think How, as it was, a coach, I think I think you might have missed something. The guy, I think he knocked him down, and then the whistle blew, and the guy got back up, and Troy knocked him down again. Oh. So wait, so you're saying the whistle, like the play was dead, and after the play was dead, he knocked him uh, over? Because that's either, a dead bull. It was either it was either dead or that he was out of the play and he just hit him again. But it, but they but it says no play on the sheet. Yeah, that was weird. Which means that's during the play. Yeah, By the way, does this just seem like every? Game Jack Westover just makes a play. Yeah, he's kind of an under underappreciated guy. Yeah, only had two catches, but uh, that twenty four yard touchdown was huge. Yeah, no, he just seems to make a play. And then uh, I, I was getting texts from you guys. You were going home after the power went. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I was ready. <laughs> yeah. You what's What's even crazier about that, guys? We asked DeBoer because everyone's like, "Oh, DeBoer's probably never." To... They had that happen with him at Fresno. Yeah. But like it was less than four. It was four years ago. Yeah. He said that the same thing happened, and it took almost the exact same amount of time, same situation where they had to wait for the lights to cool down, turn them back on. I, I mean, I swear it, it so was long. some guy who was probably macking on some chick, leaned up against the wall. <laughs> and, oops! I turned the lights off. No, but still, but but still, I'm I'm serious. I was just I saw the lights go out after the touchdown, and I looked at Fetters, and I go, "Are are the lights off?" Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, they are. And then I was surprised they kicked the extra point. They kicked point. the extra point with the I lights know. off. I know. I was shocked. Yeah, they I was shocked the, by that. What was funny, though, is, you know, after a couple of minutes when it was obvious the light was sort of going to come, come back on. <laughs> We're off the rails again already. Already? You should have seen all the guys run into the locker room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they weren't going for treatment or anything. Yeah. yeah, so it was pretty funny. All the guys run into the locker room, but although I want to know you guys' opinion, who did that affect more, Washington or Oregon State? I don't think anybody. I don't know. If it, I don't know if it was long enough to affect anyone, but if it did, it obviously affected Oregon State more than it affected. I mean, in the Washington. final analysis, we can say it that way. But Washington had just scored. They've got the momentum with them. Tie mm-hmm. game. They're back in it, and so. You know, I, if I'm DeBoer, obviously, I don't think you, you want to see what your defense can do. Defense had, had risen to the occasion in the second half. And now Oregon State, you know, it could have hurt them because they now they've got to come in and they've got to run an offense cold. Did and as it turned out, it did affect them. You hear what Penix said he did yeah. during the – No. 
I mean, what was it, about 20-minute delay? Yeah, 20, 25 minutes. When I asked Michael Penix what he uses, I sat on the heated bench. I was cold. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you could tell while while Washington was doing all their warm-ups and stuff, all the guys on the Oregon State side, they were all sitting on the benches. Yeah, but they had done their stretches earlier. But they had to wait. Yeah. Which was, I don't know, maybe that ended up being a bit of a miscalculation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Talapapa with a touchdown out of the Wildcats. Two. Two. Well, he scored out of the Wildcat, and then he scored just on a regular handoff. Yeah, I mean, he powered it in. It was good to see. And that's what he was expected to do when he came, mm-hmm. came here, and I don't think he's been as effective this year as we thought he might be. Mm-hmm. No, he hasn't. Cam Davis has been the short yardage guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Talapapa, dude, there were a couple. I don't know if you could see it, but we saw it. Chris and I saw it. People on, the, on, on our boards saw it, too. The, the blitz pickup that Wayne Talapapa had on a couple, he just washed his guy completely out of the play. Yep. It was pretty impressive. Yep. You've stood next to Wayne Talapapa. He's, he's, he's not tall, but he is built. Yeah, you know, he's just kind of, was he 5'9"? No, he, he's about my height, 5'10", 5'11". Yeah, but he's just thick. Very thick. He's 220 pounds. He's thick. But, you know, just, you know, before we get into the final drive, which, you know, decided the game, let me just run down a few of the stats. Um, uh, Net yards rushing, Oregon State with 175, Washington with 100. Uh, Oregon State was 40 for 175, Washington 24 carries for 100 yards. Um, Total total yards was uh, 262. Mm-hmm. For Oregon State, and they had 162 at the half, so I think it was only 100 yards for Oregon State. Yeah. But Washington was at 398. A couple of other numbers that jump out: Washington with 76 plays, mm-hmm. Oregon State only with 59. Again, those penalties, each team with nine, that kind of jumps out. And third down conversions, Oregon State was four for ten. And what do you want to be at, about 33%, 30 to 40% on those third downs? Actually, anything over 40% is considered pretty damn good. Yeah, so, um, what? no, I'm talking about, um, yeah, they were four for ten. And Washington was 11 of 18 on third downs. So they were real efficient on that. Uh, Red zone chances, Oregon State was only two of four. You know, with those, those two stops on fourth yep. downs, and Washington was four of four. Bend, don't break. Yeah. yeah, and when you go into the individual statistics, Damian Martinez had a big game with 19 carries for 107 yards. Um, ben uh, Gulbranson was 12 of 19, but only 87 yards with a long of 21. So they weren't throwing it down the field at all. Trayshawn Harrison, the wide receiver out of guard, he's out of Garfield, right? Yep. <laughs> he was targeted seven times, but he had five uh, receptions. But of those five receptions... Only 15 yards. Mm-hmm. Only 15 yards on those How do you get 15 yards of total passes with 19 yards of yak? Yeah. yeah. How does that work? Uh, getting stopped behind the line of scrimmage. Well, no, I'm, I, yeah, but I'm just saying that yeah. that would be – you'd almost have to – you'd almost have to – I don't know. Yeah. You'd have to work at that, right? Yeah. Cameron Davis with uh, 11 carries for 55 yards. Telepapa with 8 carries for 27 yards. Michael Penix, again, throwing the ball more than 50 times, especially in this win. 30 of 52 uh, for 298 with a touchdown. 
and an interception with a long of 27. That might be a season low for a game as long as it's 27. He'd had 300 yards at least in every game. So. Well, no, I'm talking about his longest only being 27. Oh, oh, oh I'm sure. That's got to be sure. low. Yeah. Uh, Romu Dunsey was targeted seven times, excuse me, 10 times with seven receptions for 102 yards. Uh, of those 102 yards, 49 of those yards were uh, yards after the catch. Jalen Polk, 11 targets with seven receptions for 39 yards. Uh, Cameron Davis, 7 for 27. Uh, you know, just a little bit of a struggle for Jack McAllister. He had a uh, blocked punt, and he shanked another one. Uh, leading tackler tonight was Cam Bright. He had a big game, 10 total um, ten total tackles, and he was the only one with a, tack- with a sack, and he had uh, one and a half um, tackles before loss. So uh, didn't get a chance to look down the... Um, uh, participation doesn't look like we saw, like Tristan Dunn or Javon Parker. Do we see Javon Parker in there tonight? Him I, don't, tonight. I don't remember seeing him. Yeah, we'll have to take a look at that a little bit later. Didn't see Richard Newton, even nope. though he was a bit, uh, he, he was dressed. He was he was, he was pretty dressed. hyped up before yeah. the game. Showing him on the participation chart. Maybe special teams. Yeah, he, he didn't get any carries. I don't. Yeah, and Will been. Nixon does, is he on there? He was limping on the sidelines, yeah. just for an FYI. Um, Washington gets the ball back with what four minutes? Four thirty-three. Four thirty-three back, and Oregon State punts. And I mean, tell me, tell me what I'm trying to remember what happened. Washington's on that on Oregon State's last drive pushed them back quite a bit. Yeah, um, penalties. You know, they, yeah, they made a couple really good. Well, there was penalties, and then they made that. Then Cam Bright got the tackle for loss on the screen pass, and um, yeah, they. I mean, the defense just figured out that hey. We're going to play man to man on the outside and, and stop the run and stop them so they couldn't get get any running game going. Yeah, third and twenty four. Yeah, I think Washington fans should have felt pretty confident they were going to stop. Them. I felt pretty good, but it was just like we've seen this before. <laughs> so, yeah. but the the other thing was the punt. Um, then they get a great bounce. Right. I mean, All it goes way down to the two. Straight up in the air, they catch it at the two, and, and you're three. just thinking, or three yard line. You're thinking to yourself. God, if Washington's going to win this game, they've got to get like three first downs and just run out this clock. Well, you know what Jonathan Smith is thinking. Yeah. We stop him here inside the yeah. three, and we're going to – that freshman's going to punt again, and yeah. we're going to get the ball back. And we got three timeouts in our back two pocket. Two timeouts, yeah. It's, two yeah. timeouts. So, but, um, you know, and then they just make a couple nice throws. Mike Penix makes a couple nice throws. They get a couple nice runs from Cam Davis. Well, uh, just real quick, on the first, uh, first play, um, they um, handed it off. To, um, Davis. to Davis. Second one, they kind of threw a little screen pass or a quick out to Cam Davis. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, which I thought was a huge play, just, you know, uh, threw to Devin Culp for that first yeah, down. Yeah, Texas that, route. Yep. And that, to me, that was, I don't know, I wouldn't call it the play of the game, but boy, if they hadn't well, converted that. Well, geez. the play of the game. You know, I agree with you, Cam. That was, they had to convert that, obviously, to get to the play of the game that I listed off. But so Washington is facing, okay, so can we march forward to yep. my play of the game? So, um, Washington is facing third and six at the OSU 25. Where was it? 21. 21. So the OSU 21, Washington wasn't going to kick a field goal there. There's no, I mean, if we li- if we take Kalen DeBoer for what he said. Well, yeah, he'd never done it before. Yeah, yeah. He'd never no, stopped no, short. No, 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 but, that. If, but if he said he wouldn't have kicked it outside of 20 yards. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. For sure. Taylor so, said yeah. on the last drive he targeted the 20-yard line yeah. was where he felt comfortable with Peyton Henry. Yeah, twenty. Yeah. so twenty. just to give people an understanding, 21-yard line typically would be a 38-yard kick. Yeah. And yeah. we were trying to tell people because 
you know, or, uh, Oregon State had a similar yardage, and they didn't go for it, mm-hmm. or they didn't go for a kick. And people were like, why aren't they trying to kick the field goal? And we're like, guys, you just don't – you don't have a great understanding of just – how crazy the I was is. down on the field before. And one of the things I like to do at every home game or any game we go to, because if it's on the road, I'll do this too. But I'll stand under the goal post and I'll watch guys kick. How are they hitting the ball? Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's no wind. So I'm just seeing how they hit the ball. But today they were hitting the ball fine, but the ball was going all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. DeVore even said post game that he watched Peyton Henry with a couple of kicks. And I don't remember what the yardage was. But he said he literally hit him right down the middle to start. One went one way, one went the other yeah. way. And it's like, how, how can you possibly have any sort of confidence yeah. that you're going to so know where that ball is going to go? Okay. Real quick, Scott. The wind at the open end of the stadium was much more severe. Mm-hmm. Even though you had the wind, it uh, was much more severe at the open and wind. And pushing it around. Yeah. And on that last drive, there was virtually no wind. Yeah, and so... Um, but so it, they're they're third and six from the twenty one, yeah. And Washington wasn't going to kick from there, so they had two decisions to make. They either needed to get a first down, or they were probably going to go for. They're probably going to have to go for it, and and so and if Washington doesn't go for it, then Oregon State now has about a minute and ten seconds left, and they have two timeouts, and all they're going to do is. Run it a couple times, and they'll probably throw a pass or two here and there. But it it was not going to be it was not going to go in Washington's favor. And then Penix drops back, throws that. It, it, it's just an out route. Yeah, it looks it like to me, out just a flat route. Or but something. but he throws a dart. Yeah. And Cameron Davis dives, catches it. Now I still think Washington got a kind of favorable spot on that. For sure. I thought he was down before he got to the first down marker. But they didn't call it that way. They didn't even replay it. I thought some of the spots tonight yeah. were very, very sketchy. Iffy. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, I was. I mean, that was a heck of a catch by Cameron Davis, and that was our play of the game. Yeah. Because if they don't make that, Kalen DeBoer has got a really tough decision. And then now, all of a sudden, you're forcing uh, Jonathan Smith to use his timeouts so that he has any, you know, hope of getting any time left, even if they don't go any further on that drive and they do kick a field goal. But because that, that next play, Penix goes for a yard on a bit of a scramble, and I think they had to call a timeout there, and it was like there was like 32 seconds. First down, and they still had a couple of timeouts left, and they're on the three-yard line, mm-hmm. and they elect to throw it on the uh, first down. Yeah, I was down. a little surprised by that. They had two timeouts yeah, left. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. Maybe, I don't know if those were straight-up calls or if Penix saw how – how loaded the box was that maybe he changed it. I don't know. Yeah, but that first pass to Davis, if he just gives him anything, he scores. Yeah, that's a touchdown. Yeah. So, But anyway, it, it just Washington played that really well. They did everything they needed to do to get the win. And that that play to uh, Giles Jackson was huge. That, that, <laughs> that They called that a pass. pass. I thought it was it's a, a pop pass. I know, but I thought it was a handoff. Yeah, so that way if they drop it, it's incomplete. Yeah. So, so yeah. that, but I mean, that's a ballsy call by Grubb. Because yeah. have we really seen that go for much no. this year? And it went for 17. We've seen it dropped. We've seen it drop, but we've also seen it where any upfield pressure on that side of the ball, and it, and it usually goes down. Because one of the things that Scott and I were kind of remarking to each other over the course of the game was, even when they were trying to find some holes running the ball in the second half, and I thought they did a much better job, they just don't have a guy who 
can beat people one on one. They can't make a miss. They can't make a miss. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's very very interesting that the running backs they're good at, at doing the kind of the one cut and slash, getting upfield. They can they can you know try to move the pile a little bit, lean forward. But they just can't make people miss. Look for them to get a try. I've been telling you guys this. You keep on poo-pooing me. They're gonna go get a try. They're gonna I'm wait not a running. Poo-pooing poo-pooing when have we ever pooed? All, they're I'm, all they're I'm gonna, saying is everybody wants those guys, Kim. Okay. They're gonna they're gonna go after a running back. They're looking for an impact running back in the portal. So is everybody else. Okay, well, so you, you doubt Courtney Morgan? I'll tell. Well, Scott they, doesn't but they me. picked. But they picked three <laughs> in this last cycle. They and, but they weren't. And, I, and, I, and I'm not, and again, not poo-pooing at all. Quintel Papa's played lights out for them. He's been great. Yeah. But he is not an impact guy in the way that they need him to be. No. It is stupid o'clock, so let's wrap this up. Chris Fetters? Yeah, I just think that, that this is such a confidence boost for this program, getting a, a top 25 win over Oregon State. Um, they came to play. Uh, now, granted, I don't know if the game would have been different if – if Chance Nolan's playing quarterback instead of Cobranson, because you know from what we had heard all week long is that Cobranson was kind of the high ceiling or high floor, low ceiling kind of guy. He, I was talking to uh, Carter Baines about this from Beaver Blitz before the in the pregame, and he was and he was saying those types of things. And I was like, God, everything you guys are saying about Cobranson is like the way people felt about Jake Browning at Washington. He's a game manager. He's not going to necessarily lose the game for you, but it's when the game's on the line, can he make a play for you? No one really knows. He's still a really young kid. Um, so who knows how he's going to do down the road. But I just felt for Washington to come back and win that fourth quarter, 10 nothing uh, at home, again, top 25, the how, the conditions, the outage, it seemed like there were too many things going against him, losing the turnover battle. I mean, how they're not able to force any turnovers is stunning to me. And for them to overcome all that stuff, Really says a lot about their character and their grit, and I think it's a phenomenal win. Scott Eklund? Great win. Um, I know it wasn't pretty. I know it's frustrating for fans, but this team is 7-2. and two. They just beat their second... Uh, for the, they just got their second win over a top 25 team this year. Um, they didn't overlook Oregon State going to play Oregon. Um, they, I mean, it's you know next week is going to be its own challenge <laughs> for yep. many reasons. But um, I, I think Washington is, is definitely heading in a great direction. I don't think the defense is going to be able to hold teams like they did today. Um, but, you know, if you can get two, out of, two wins out of the next three weeks, you're at 9-3. and three. Yeah. And I, I, anybody, I think if we told anybody at the beginning of the season, you can, have, you can be 9-3 and three at the end of the year. Would anybody take that? Everybody would have taken everybody that, would right? Have taken that. After going four and eight last year, yeah. So, so while I know there's some frustration with the way they lost to UCLA and Arizona State, and this one against Oregon is going to be a tough one, but you know, I you have to be happy about the direction of the program, even if even if there's some frustrating parts. And, and Kim, before you wrap this up, is there anything to the Scott Eklund bounce? Is that too soon? Can we talk about that? What? When I you picked an Oregon State, them? yeah. Yeah. Both top 25 wins. I'm going to tell you guys games. right now, I'm picking Oregon this coming week. Well, I, so. I have a feeling we're all picking yeah, Oregon I know. So, I don't think you're going to be, no. be on an island so, like you have yeah. been the other two times. 
So, so yeah. yeah. Kalen DeBoer's putting himself in position to be uh, coach of the year for the conference. Yeah, I, I still think it's Dan Lanning. If yeah. if uh, if Oregon wins the conference, it's Dan Lanning. And, and for them to come back the way they have after that Georgia game, yeah. that's And they've impressive. looked really good. He's yeah. going to be in the conversation. So. Oh, he well, absolutely will be in the conversation. Yeah. I just... I, yeah, just... If, if your team's possibly going to the playoffs and you're... You've never coached before, or head coached before. Yeah, I I don't see how you're not called the conference. Yeah, for for those who were down at the UCLA game down in the Rose Bowl, they have LED lighting which you can shut on and off just like your home lights. I don't know what they call these incandescent lights or whatever. Um, I was talking to my father about this, and he knew exactly what they were. He said vapor, yeah. something or other. Yeah, but it takes fifteen to twenty minutes. If they go off, it takes fifteen to twenty minutes for them to turn back on. And the difference between the LEDs and the lights that they have here, which is what most people have. It is so much brighter with the LEDs. It's ridiculous how much brighter it is. So uh, Chip Lightham was down on the sidelines. You know Chip, who manages all the facilities here, and he was pretty nervous about everything. I asked him what it would cost to replace the LED, uh, these lights with the LEDs, and he, and he just looked at me. He goes, $800 to a million. I go, okay, that's not getting done anytime yeah. soon. But uh, So that's part of the reason why the delay was so long. Once those lights go out, I was told it takes 15 to 20 minutes to go cool off. warm up. Yeah. They have yeah. to cool off. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, big win for the basketball team on their exhibition game. A lot of excitement around from what we saw. Game against Weber State on Monday, 8 o'clock tip-off. And I can't remember who they play on Friday. I don't know. They're all Pac-12 networks, both those games. Yeah, 8 o'clock kickoff. And then we still don't have a time tip, tip on... Off. We still do not have a time on the Oregon game. Hopefully sometime on Saturday. Saturday night, hopefully. Or Sunday. Or Sunday. Probably more likely Sunday morning, but possibly Saturday night. It's just we, the way the media works, they just have to wait until those games resolve themselves um, to see where they want the windows to be. But I would, if I had to guess right now, I'm guessing either 4 or 4.30. That would be my guess. Special shout out to the university admins. They brought up a cooler with several beers in them. And I grabbed myself a Coors Light, which I normally don't do. So special which is thing. basically like this water. Yeah. So okay, and guys, before, I, before we wrap it up, I want to give a, a, a real shout out. I forgot to mention him the whole time. Corey Luciano was the guy who was the center for almost most of the game until like the couple, last couple series. Mateo Mele was the center mm-hmm. of that final drive. Yeah. And he just he came in, and I think he was a big part of why they were able to open some things up. And uh, I just think he should get a shout-out because I, I think that's really hard to do, to not play for like three-quarters of the game plus, then all of a sudden come in cold and uh, be expected to contribute. I thought he was huge. Love these 7.30 starts. So <laughs> what's, what's worse, Chris? A seven- plus 7.30 start plus... Yeah, a twenty-minute delay. Yeah, and then what's worse, seven thirty football start or an eight o'clock basketball start? Oh, the seven thirty football start for yeah, sure. Because football long. games are three hours, three and a half hours. You can long. still, you can, yeah, you can still get out. Basketball, yeah, you can still get out. Two hours. Yeah, you can still get out by midday. Uh, so in basketball, we're gonna get out of here. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs.